As the children are going, I just want to remind you of, uh, we have one simple goal in this series, and that's to know more about God. Uh, at the end of each service, I'd love for us to proclaim this. God, you are, if you look at your bulletin cover, it has that you are, okay, hashtag you are. You are holy. We talked about that. We talked about God, you are patient. God, you are almighty and powerful. Today, God, you are faithful. Let me hear you say faithful. That is something I'd love for us all to proclaim. And I know, as uh, Pastor Ben said, it's been a long week for many of you. Uh, I know four people who passed away this week, and uh, three of them who had battled cancer, and, and it, the, the, the battle sort of came to an end. Um, but the good news is for them is that now they are in God's presence. The battle earthly is done. Now the celebration for them. But it still hurts for us who know them. And so this week, if you've been struggling with that, I hope and pray that today's message will be an encouragement to you. Um, if you've gone through other things this week and maybe somebody's walked out on you or they abandoned you and you thought they were going to help you out or, or maybe you thought, well, I could depend on this person and they weren't very dependable for you this week. Maybe something like that happened. Um, maybe today's message is what you need to hear. It's the afternoon of September 18th, and you're going to have to rewind the clocks on this one, going all the way back to 1870. And the members of the Washburn Langford Duane Expedition, there's three gentlemen who wanted their name in this, okay? They traveled down the Firehole River from the Kepler Cascades, and they entered the Upper Geyer Basin of Wyoming, what we know now as Yosemite, I'm sorry, Yellowstone National Park. They know where we're at now? Okay. It was there they witnessed their first geyser, and from a hole in the ground, water erupted, shooting anywhere from 3,700 to 8,400 gallons of water to a height of 106 feet, which could even go up to 185 feet, lasting anywhere from one and a half to five minutes. And in this expedition, Nathaniel Langford wrote this, Judge then, what must have been our astonishment as we entered the basin at mid-afternoon on our second day's travel to see in the clear sunlight at no great distance an immense volume of clear sparkling water projected into the air to the height of 125 feet. Geysers, geysers, exclaimed one of our company. And spurring our jaded horses, we soon gathered around this wonderful phenomenon. It was indeed a perfect geyser. Nathan Langford went on to de describe the, the, what it looked like, that geyser up close. And then he went on to say this, We gave it the name Old Faithful. Has anybody ever seen Old Faithful? You've been out west? Anybody? A couple of you? Okay. If you ever have a chance to go out west to Yellowstone National Park, Old Faithful, this big geyser you must see. In the early days of the park, Old Faithful was actually used as a laundry, believe it or not. Uh, General uh, Sheridan took their garments, they placed them in the geyser before it erupted, okay? And he, uh, then they would wait in this boiling water and then the force of the water shooting it into the sky cleaned it out for them. That's one way to wash clothes. Now this is what they found out though, that linen and cotton fabrics were uninjured, but anything made out of wool was torn to shreds. Uh, they found that out the hard way. Uh, Old Faithful, though, is not the tallest. 
geyser in the, in the park. Uh, the title belongs to a less predictable geyser called Steamboat Geyser. But Old Faithful is definitely worth seeing because you can depend on it to erupt in a timely fashion. It's dependable. It's consistent. It's faithful. That's why it's called Old Faithful. Yes, I mean, there's a reason for the name. Now, these are terms and attributes and characteristics that I'm going to say were probably less frequently used today. And why, why I say that is because it seems that not too many of us are dependable and not too many things are consistent anymore. And we discover that unfaithfulness is more prevalent than faithfulness. We see that going on around us in multiple ways. I'm not just talking relationships, but in different ways. For those of you who are baseball fans and enjoying the playoffs right now, I want to bring to mind of a Baltimore Oriole shortstop by the name of Cal Ripken Jr. He played in 2,632 consecutive ball games. Now from April of 1982 to September of 1998, he played 16 years, never missed one game. Now recently, let's say recently, a few months ago, NBA referee uh, Dick Bavetta retired after a 39-year career, career in which he never missed an assignment. Now this referee officiated a record of 2,635. Cal Ripken was 2,632. He was 2,635 games officiating without missing an assignment. He also recorded a record of 270 playoff games and 27 NBA Finals in refereeing. Those two gentlemen, what I would say is a picture of consistency and faithfulness, never miss a game. Can you imagine 2,632 games never missing going out to your spot to play? Or 2,635 games showing up with your whistle never missing that opportunity to blow it in more ways than one, right? Or to be yelled at by people, but he never missed. Incredible. Unbelievable. And again, I think that's unbelievable because consistency, longevity, faithfulness, those are terms we just don't hear a lot anymore. They seem to be foreign to us. Our culture today is not very committed to work, relationships, or faith. Let me give you one more baseball story. Jackie Robinson, uh, back in 1947, he broke the color line. We know at that point in time there was an issue with color in, in our nation and, and even in sports. And he had to endure the people booing and throwing objects at him, abuse from opposing players, and unfortunately even abuse from his own teammates. But he's out there playing baseball, and he faced a difficult time one day. As Jackie Robinson was taking a player who was sliding into second base, the player that came in lifted up his leg with his spikes in the air to purposely cleat Jackie Robinson and drive him into his chest. Now Robinson reacted instantly and a fight began out before things could get restored in order. Opposing players continued to yell ugly names. Fans threw it, trash at Jackie Robinson as well. All kinds of things took place. Suddenly, the shortstop on the team, his name was Pee Wee Reese, stopped, called timeout, things got quiet, and he walked over to Jackie Robinson and put his arm around him, saying that just because we're different colors doesn't mean we can't be 
brothers, teammates, friends. And I said, basically by doing this, putting his arm around, I said, I'm here for you. I'm faithful as a friend and a teammate to you. And I'm not leaving you. It was a beautiful picture, a courageous act of a friend who supported him in a very troublesome time. That's the picture I want you to have this morning, that our God is faithful to his people. Our God stands with us, with his arms around us, saying, I am faithful to you. In troubling times, when you feel alone, when you feel the rest of the world has turned against you, I'm here with my arm around you. When you feel like you have been beaten up and knocked down, I'm here beside you. That is our God. Our God will never leave us or forsake us. Amen? God does not save us from our sin to just to later forsake us under some rotten circumstance. Think about that. Sometimes we think the God of this universe sent his son, Jesus Christ, to save us, right? Did he then abandon you and I just because of bad circumstances? No. He didn't save us to leave us alone. So let's think about what faithful is. Defined as this, one that can be relied on, worthy of trust, true to one's word or promise, firm, steadfast, loyal, constant. Those are all terms that define faithfulness. Where do we see God defined as faithful in the Bible? We're going to throw scripture up on the screen. You can turn to me if you want, but I'm going to have you turn to uh, a different passage in a little bit. Um, first of all, Deuteronomy 32.4. Deuteronomy 32.4 says this, He is the rock. You know what rock means? That's steadfast, can't move, steady, okay? He is a rock. His deeds are perfect. Everything he does is just and fair. He is faithful. Let me hear you say faithful. He is a faithful God who does no wrong. How just and upright he is. Psalm 33, 4 says this, For the word of the Lord holds true, and we can trust everything he does. Psalm 36, 5 says, Your unfailing love, O Lord, is as vast as the heaven. Your faithfulness, let me hear you say faithfulness. Your faithfulness reaches beyond the clouds. Psalm 89, 2. Your unfailing love will last forever. Your faithfulness, let me hear you say faithfulness. Your faithfulness is as enduring as the heavens. Psalm 89.8, O Lord God of heaven's armies, where is there anyone as mighty as you, O Lord? You are entirely faithful. Let me hear you say faithful. I love that one. David just says, I can't even say anything else. You're just entirely, completely, wholly faithful. Psalm 102.25-27, Long ago you laid the foundation of the earth. You made the heavens with your hands. They'll perish, but you remain forever. They'll wear out like old clothing. You'll change them like a garment and discard them. But you're always the same. You will live forever. Kids, right now, if you're drawing something, I'll give you something to draw. Draw some dirty clothes that you want to throw away, okay? Just draw dirty clothes that you want to throw away if you want, okay? Because here's the fun thing. When you do all these dirty clothes, kids, what do you do with those clothes after they're all dirty? Where do you, where do you put them at? In the dresser or in the, in the laundry room? Laundry room, that's right. You throw them in there. What if they're really, really, really dirty and they're torn up and they smell? Laundry room still? All right. Garbage. Okay. 
So either we've got to do really work hard to clean them up or we're just going to get rid of them. Listen very carefully to this again. They will perish, but you remain forever. They will wear out like old clothing, but you will change them like a garment and discard them. You're always the same. You live forever. The psalmist proclaims that all these things in this world is going to pass away. Everything we see before us is eventually going to pass away, including ourselves. These chairs, this building, people sitting next to us, someday it's all going to be gone. But God will remain the same. He'll still be here. Clothes that we wear, tires on our vehicles, food that was over there, it's now gone, right? You name it, they reach their expiration date, they wear out, you get rid of them. Sometimes certain things, they just lose their appeal, so you change them. Okay, some of us, we like wearing the same clothes for 20, 30 years until somebody says, you are so out of style, okay? Amen? Uh, I hear that every now and then. But we change them. Here's the good news. God doesn't change. Isn't that good news? He's faithful. God is faithful and committed. From the very beginning of time, he's been there laying the foundation of the earth. And as the writer of the psalm says, all things will pass away, but God will not. God's consistency and faithfulness and commitment is a blessing and an encouragement to us. When people are changing all the time around us, isn't it good to know that God doesn't? When the circumstances change all the blue, it's like, what's going on? Isn't it good to know that God doesn't? When you've been unfaithful to God, isn't it good to know that he will still be faithful to you? God's worthy of trust, true to his promises, steadfast, loyal, and constant, no doubt about it. And these attributes, these truths about God that I'm sharing with you, those allow us trust him, knowing the truth about him. He won't walk on us. He won't be a no-show. Did you ever have those before? They signed up for it. They bought a ticket, but then they don't show up. That's not God. He's here. Guess what? And today he's here with you and me. I want you to pause and just think about that for a minute. Maybe you need to be reminded today that you're not alone. Maybe you need to be reminded today that you've not been abandoned by God. Maybe that was the only reason you needed to come here today was to hear that. Maybe today you need to be encouraged that when everything else around you is rapidly changing and you're not sure who to trust anymore, you can place your trust in an unchanging, faithful, steadfast, loyal God. He is faithful. He lives forever. Psalm 117.2 says this, His unfailing love for us is powerful. The Lord's faithfulness endures forever. Praise the Lord. Lamentations 3.23, you've heard this so many times, you may even know it's in Lamentations. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, forever. It's a comfort to know that the God we know, that when we go to bed, that loving and trusting God that we know when we go to bed, guess when we wake up in the morning? He will be the same in the morning. We don't have to be afraid that God's going to get up on the wrong side of the throne in the morning. Isn't that good? God's not moody. He doesn't have ADD. He doesn't have hypoglycemia. He doesn't have to take tranquilizers to relax. He doesn't have a quick temper. 
He doesn't have to work out to get stronger or work harder to get richer or work harder to get smarter. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow because he's perfect and holy, just and compassionate, all-powerful, patient, kind, available, all-knowing, and faithful. This is the God we worship. God is faithful. He doesn't change. Now, I've shared from you from God's Word. We see that God's faithfulness is boundless. This is what we know to be true about God. It's written. It's shared in the Bible. Proclamations are made. And as one of my jobs as a pastor, I, I hope in preaching is to make sure that I proclaim truth. So this morning, you've heard about eight or nine verses proclaiming God's faithfulness. You need to hear that. I need to hear that. But the crazy thing is, is we step back away from the Bible and we say, but how does that relate to me? How do I apply that to my life, God being faithful? When do we see it applied? Matter of fact, if you open up your Bibles, turn to Daniel chapter 3. It's in the Old Testament. Daniel chapter 3. You don't put, go past Psalms and Proverbs. Get past Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and you'll get to Daniel. So I know many times, you know, we, we sit there and say, well, show me where God's faithful. Well, why don't you start in Genesis, okay? And about every other page, you're going to find God being faithful. But this is one of my favorite passages. I'm, 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 I'm good to share it two, three times a year because it's, it's just a good story. The King Nebuchadnezzar makes this gold statue standing 90 feet tall, and he had this dream before about this statue, but in the dream, it gets crushed. King Nebuchadnezzar doesn't like that, see, because King Nebuchadnezzar is a very proud man. He wants people to worship him. So he builds this big statue, knowing that it's going to get crushed in his dream, meaning his nation's going to fall. But he says, that's not happening, because I'm going to build it out of gold. Solid. Nothing can crush it. And I'm going to make everybody worship it. So he builds this huge statue of himself, 90 feet tall, nine feet wide, sets it on a plane for everybody to worship. People of all races and nations and languages come together and listen to this command. At the sound of the command, everyone will get down on their knees and, and bow to this, this 90-foot idol. And if they don't bow, they're going to get thrown in a fiery furnace. We're not talking about an easy-bake oven, okay? We're not talking about your oven in your house. We're talking about like an industrial-sized, large, fiery furnace that everybody can see. Smoke's coming out of it. Everybody understands in this room that if you don't bow, you're going in the furnace. With that being said, what would you do? Will you bow to a false god if you are witnessing one true god? Or will you stand and say, I can't bow to a false god? Or, you know, maybe you can make up an excuse like, well, it's, God will understand this one time. Well, God understands that if I live, I can probably be of greater service to him than if I die. Well, God will, God will forgive me if I do this. So we can come up with all kinds of excuses, but the choice is, do I bow to a foreign god or do I stand before an almighty god? Three young men... Their names were changed to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to sort of be a part of the new land that they're in. 
to change who they were in their culture and their faith, but they would not change that. It says in verse 8 of Daniel chapter 3, some of the astrologers went to the king and formed him on the Jews, referring to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king. You issued a decree requiring that all the people bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of the musical instruments. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there were some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, whom you've put in charge of the province of Babylon. They defied your majesty by refusing to serve your gods or to worship the gold statue you've set up. Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage. He got angry. He got mad. What? There's three boys. And again, they were boys, okay? Some believe they were teenagers. We're not bowing to me? Bring them forward. Well, at least he checked it out. He brought them before him. Verse 14. Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my God or to worship the gold statue I've set up? I'll give you one more chance. If you bow down and worship the statue I made when you hear the sound of the music instruments, all will be well. But if you refuse, you'll be thrown into immediately into the blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my power then? Well, that was nice to the king, wasn't it? I'm going to give you one more shot, boys. Bow with the music, bow to my statue, bow to me, or the furnace. What will it be? Now again, I love the response now of these young men because because of a faithful God that they serve, and because of their faithfulness to a faithful God, they're able to say what they're going to say in the next verse. Listen carefully. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. Let me hear you say, God is able. Didn't we just sing that? God is able to save us. See, they believe in a faithful God, a faithful God that will save them from all things. But listen very carefully what they go on to say. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, listen to that. Even if God doesn't save us, your majesty can be sure that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. See, they believe that God is faithful. So they say, we will not bow to your statue or your false god. We are making a stand because when you have a faithful God, you must be faithful too. And if you are not faithful to God, then you are not serving a faithful God. These boys say, I am serving a faithful God. And to show you that, we are remaining faithful to him. We will not bow. God can save us. But if God doesn't want to save us, maybe God's got a different plan for us. Maybe God is going to use us as a martyr. And maybe our death will inspire others to stand. We don't know the plan, but who do they trust? A faithful God. See, when you have a faithful God, you can trust him because he's trustworthy. That's part of being faithful. So they trust him no matter what the outcome is going to be. A lot of times we are not faithful in our actions because we don't trust God to come through. So we go on our own. These young men were able to say that, and I'll tell you why they were able to say that. Because years of trusting God in faithfulness built up. Children, teenagers, there's a reason why your parents give you lessons over and over and over again. 
Because the lessons you learn now will build you up to make great decisions and choices as you grow older. There's reasons why I look at my boys and say, you can't watch that movie, you can't go to that place or do this. And why is that? Because we're hard and cruel parents? No, because we're trying to teach them lessons that will help them make great choices as they get older. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego learned to trust God when they were young, when they first were captured and taken to Babylon. And they, with Daniel, stood before the king, and they're like, you're going to eat these kinds of meats and this kind of food and this kind of food. And they said, that's against our faith. And they went to the, the keeper and said, how about you test us? And we'll, we're going to eat our foods that we're allowed to eat, that God says, okay. And if we show to be stronger and healthier by eating our foods, then it's okay. And if we are weaker, then we'll, you know, we'll, we'll fall to your, you know, whatever you want us to do. But they trusted what God wanted them to do, and God was faithful, and they were stronger because they listened. And more things like that happened. and got them to the point of the fiery furnace to where they are now. They could stand because they had these, all these little tests that had before that that they trusted God and His faithfulness. Now, as you know the rest of the story or may not know the rest of the story, Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with those three boys for not bowing. He said, get that furnace as high as it can be. And they tried to stoke it up and get it as high as it could be. And they tied them up and they went to throw them in. As they went to throw them into the fiery furnace, the strong men who were throwing these guys into the furnace died on the spot. It was so hot that as they throw, they're hitting the ground. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego go flying into the furnace. And it says this. They tied him up, threw him into the furnace fully clothed. Because the king in his anger demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames leaped out, killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell down into the roaring flames. But suddenly, as he was watching... Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, Didn't we tie up three men in the furnace? Yes, we did, your majesty. Look, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire. They aren't even hurt by the flames, and the fourth looks like a divine being. They're just walking around there. Now they're having a, they're having a worship service in the furnace. As a divine being, it could have been the, spirit, uh, the uh, angel of the Lord himself in there. They're just in there singing songs. Maybe they're singing Kumbaya. I don't know. But they're worshiping. And Nebuchadnezzar's looking and going, these guys standing outside the fire threw them in and died. They're in the fire. They're alive walking around. Get them out. Obviously, nobody came in to get them. They just probably motioned them out. They brought them out. They said they did not smell like smoke. Not a hair was singed on their body. Their clothes were not burnt up. That's amazing. That's amazing. You see, God's a faithful God. Whether God would have saved them or not, that would not have changed God's faithfulness. They trusted God. God is faithful. What about your life? Do you have a story this morning of God's faithfulness in your life? I have a story of faithfulness I'd love to share with you, but I can't. I, don't have, I did not ask for permission from my family, so I can't share it. But this past week, just a few days ago, God showed me his faithfulness. See, his faithfulness is new every morning. We just don't see it sometimes. This past week, I got to witness it. I'm sure you did too. If you can't think of any times that God's been faithful to you, turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 13. I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 10. It's towards the back of the New Testament. Get past Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans... 
1 Corinthians chapter 10. As a young man, and even now, this is one of my favorite verses. I would encourage children, youth, everybody in here, but 1 Corinthians 10, 13, to know this verse. Highlight it, memorize it, put it somewhere you can see it. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Remember that temptations that come into your life are no different from what others experience. How many times have you thought, I must be the only one being tempted with this? Sin comes my way and you think, I'm the only one, right? God is faithful. Let me hear you say, God is faithful. Look at the person next to you and tell them, God is faithful. He will keep that temptation from becoming so strong that you can't stand up against it. When you're tempted, he will show you a way out so you will not give in to it. Our God is faithful. He doesn't want us to fall into temptation. So God says, you know what? I'll make sure that no temptation that comes your way is too big for you. And matter of fact, I'll show you a way out every time. So every time we give in to temptation, kids, every time we're like, oh, I didn't want to, but I just gave in to temptation. It was so, oh, you know what? God gave us a way out. We just didn't choose it. And I'll look back at the times when I've messed up in my life, and I look back and I say, I messed up big time, God. I'm so sorry. And I look back. Did he give me a way out? Yes, he did. Every time. But I chose to ignore it. Because for the pleasure or for whatever reason, I chose to go ahead and give in to that temptation. Knowing that God gave me a way out. In God's faithfulness by his grace, God does not allow his children to suffer and endure more than what they can handle. He promises of this. We observe the faithfulness of God through history in covenants, in proclamations, in the changing of seasons, through experience, Bible stories, we see that God is faithful. So here's what I want to encourage you with this morning. What does that faithfulness mean to you? What does that faithfulness mean to you? God is faithful. We should be able to proclaim, God, you are faithful. Because, God, you are faithful, guess what? Here's the first thing. I get to relax a little bit more. What do you mean by that? I know that God is going to be present to help me. Instead of worrying and sort of getting all stressed out, relax. God's faithful. He's going to help. He's going to help. Here's the second thing. I can appeal to God. I can go to God on the basis of his faithfulness. I can proclaim, God, I need your help today. And he listens. Psalm 143.1 says, Hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my plea. Answer me because you are faithful and righteous. Here's the third thing. Because I know God is faithful, this is good for me. I know that he will be faithful to me when I'm unfaithful to him. I need to know that. Because there's times I'm going to be unfaithful to God. I'm going to mess up. And I might want to just walk. Because I'm not going to believe truth, I'll probably listen to a lie and say, well, God doesn't love me anymore. So I'll turn my back on God and walk. But then I've got to be reminded of truth. God's faithful to me when I'm unfaithful to him. If we are unfaithful, Paul says, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. That is faithful. 1 John 1, 9, here's the fourth thing. When we confess our sins... He's faithful to forgive us. 
If we confess our sins, he's faithful to forgive us. Isn't that good to know? God is faithful. January 1st, 1929, a gentleman by the name of Roy Regals went into the Rose Bowl. And um, he was playing against Georgia Tech, and he was a captain and uh, the center for the California's football team. And in that football game, uh, he came up with a new term for Roy. It's called Wrong Way Regal. This is his new nickname. The game was scoreless in the second quarter, and California drove to uh, Tech's 25-yard line. And before losing the ball in downs, the next play was one of the college world's College world's famous, am I saying that right? College's famous plays. We'll say it that way. What happened was um, Georgia Tech was hit by Cal's halfback, Benny Lam. Fumbled the ball in the Tech 30. Roy Regal scooped up the ball. As he scooped up the ball, he says this, I was running toward the sidelines. And when I picked up the ball, I started to run to my left toward Tech's goal. Somebody shoved me, I bound and hit and ran off of another tough tackler, and pivoting to get away from him, I completely lost my bearings. Roy Regal then headed down the wrong way on the football field. Toward his own goal line, his teammates, tech players in pursuit, with Lom shouting in vain, you're going the wrong way. Right before he got to the end zone, Lom, the first player to reach him, spun him around at the one-yard line. And instantly he was swarmed by tech players and tackled there. Needless to say, Cal was unable to move the ball forward, so sort of pinned in the end zone. When they went to punt the ball, it was blocked, which they got a, ended up grabbing it and getting two points out of that play. That was the difference in the game. They lost by two. Okay. Now, in the locker room at halftime, the coach tried to, coach him up and talk to him. Regals put a blanket around his shoulders, put another over his head, put his hands in his face, and just cried at halftime. The captain of the football team. Several minutes later, Coach Nibs announced this. Second half starters will be the same as the first half starters. Second half starters be the same as the first half starters. Guys started out to head towards the field, except Roy Regals, who sat there, head down in his face, still sobbing. Coach, I can't do it. I've ruined you. I've ruined my school. I've ruined myself. I couldn't face the crowd in the stadium to save my life. Coach looked at him and said, Roy, I want you to get up. The game is only half over. Second half starters are first half starters. I want you back out on the field. Seems so simple, right? But isn't that what God says to us? Sometimes we sit at home thinking the game's over. We put our head in our lap thinking, what have I done? God, why is this happening? And God taps us on the shoulder and says, the game's only half over. I want you back out on the field. I want you back at work. I want you back in that relationship. I want you back at church. I want you back in your group. I want you back out there. See, God's a faithful God that sits next to us and says, I forgive you. I'm here to be with you. No matter what you're going through, that is our God. 
Worship team, would you come forward, please? As they're coming forward, would you everybody stand, please? You know, we need to hear certain things from God, and I believe as we've gone through this series talking about God, you are holy. God, you are patient. God, you're almighty and powerful. Today I want us to proclaim, God, you are faithful. God, you are faithful. God will be continually present to help us because he's faithful to us. God is faithful to listen to us. God is faithful to us when we're unfaithful to him. God is faithful to forgive us. With that kind of truth, I hope and pray that that gives us security, that gives us confidence, that gives us hope to step out of here and say, I serve a faithful God. I too want to be faithful to Him. I encourage you to be faithful to Him in worship, in giving, not just of your tithes and your talents, but of your time. Be faithful in loving others when others are not loving to you. Most importantly, be faithful in spending time with God. That will help you immensely, as I know it's helping me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for being a faithful God. God, you are faithful. Thank you, God, that you've shown us so many ways that in your scriptures that you are faithful in the stories. And I think of the young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who before them was an incredible challenge, but they trusted you because you were faithful. Regardless of what was going to happen to them, it wasn't about them. It was about you. God, I believe that we struggle with being faithful because sometimes we're too worried about ourselves. Lord, help us get our eyes on you, a faithful God, so that we in return can make decisions that show our faithfulness to you. God, we worship you as we close out this morning's time singing a song to you. Lord, may this be not only just a song, but as a, a prayer of worship as we sing it to you and you alone. We love you, God, and thank you for this time. We sing to you now, Lord. Amen.